Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, great show this week. We have Colton of Flourish Software, uh, one of the leading ERP seed to sale tracking softwares in the hemp and cannabis industry. Uh, It's a really great episode, guys. We go deep. Uh, on how he started his company on a product first principle. It's all about the user experience, sales, marketing, everything comes after just the quality of the product. Uh, He also is super open about his sort of trials and tribulations with raising money. He's currently raising around during the Corona lockdown. We get into what kind of craziness that is. Uh, Overall, he's super open and honest about all the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And it's one of my favorite episodes. He's a great guest, uh, at least in the remote period. He's been one of my favorites. Uh, I learned a ton, guys. You're gonna learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Colton, thanks for joining us. So great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be, uh, be on today. Yeah, for sure. Remote, but we're going to have a good time nonetheless. First of all, just how's your quarantine going? How's, uh, how's the new normal? Uh, you know, I can't complain. Uh, getting a lot of work done. Uh, thankful for really good internet and um, the weather's been nice. And, you know, it's a uh, it's business as normal, uh, as normal as it can be. So uh, I think we've adapted well over the last couple months. And yeah. Well, that's uh, one of the beautiful well. things about uh, having a software business. Um, but let's just start at the beginning. Yes, is. What is Flourish Software? So we're a software platform built specifically for cannabis and hemp. Uh, we're a complete supply chain management platform servicing cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, and retail point of sale. We help our customers manage all their inventory, the purchasing, the order fulfillment, uh, and cultivation, tracking the plants through the life cycle. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun building this company, and it's what we do every day. Got it. So a number of other competitors out there, obviously. Um, a number have been on this show. I'm sure more will be in the future. What's the competitive advantage here? I mean, kind of how do you pitch this to someone that gets inundated, you know, cultivator gets inundated? this kind of stuff yeah there's probably a few too many options on the market right now (laughs) Uh, it's it's a crowded space so you know i think we're a product first company and backed up by years of supply chain domain expertise you know our customers rave about you know the features and functionality that you know we're constantly deploying new stuff every other week um but then really the delivery and support that comes along with the platform is where you know i think that we bring a lot of domain expertise into how to best set up your operation and best use technology in conjunction with your operation. Um, and the product, I mean, you know, I, a lot of customers just say we're in the top three as soon as, uh, uh, as soon as they see it. Uh, you know, I think we've designed something that that's aesthetically pleasing, but also like very feature rich. Got it. Um, and where did that sort of design principles come from? I mean, that's a big part of software, right? The actual back end of these things is like, kind of repeatable, right? It's more of the um, consumer experience, no? Consumers at yeah, work, I guess. Well, the experience is everything because, you know, I mean, you have to, we put, I put myself in our customer's shoes of somebody that's sitting here at their computer interacting with the software for as much as they need to during the day, but, you know, not in a significant amount of time. So, um, you know, we, we do spend a lot of time thinking about the design and the interaction and the clicks to achieve it. Um, but really, you know, the, the architecture and the backbone of the software itself, uh, the, you know, the, the core table structures and, um, 
you know, design of the, of the platform is that solid foundation is critical. So without a solid foundation, you know, for a platform, it's hard to uh, grow and scale correctly. And that's where we've seen some competitors struggle when they go to site two and site three. Um, and we've, you know, uh, been able to really deploy in a multi-site, multi-state environment very comfortably because our architecture is, is really, is really well thought out on the back end. Got it. And that comes from your experience building software previously to this. I mean, I was looking at your background without boring anybody too much. You had a lot of experience doing this specifically. So, yeah, specifically, you know, we spent years uh, implementing uh, and and supporting enterprise software at like dozens of uh, very large companies across the, the country. Um, I think I've been part of, you know, close to 200 software implementations, you know, over my career. Um, and, uh, um, you know, ranging from smaller warehouses to very huge million plus square feet warehouses to manufacturing operations, uh, transportation networks, you know, so we had a lot of exposure to, I think, best in class software and, um, a lot of different flavors of how that software was implemented and used by operators across the country outside of cannabis. And then when we got into cannabis, you know, even our first couple customers were pretty different from each other. And so we've really taken a collaborative approach about like understanding and working with the customer to truly dial software in and design things that are, you know, meeting the the business needs of of what our customer is. Um, And you've been able to grow pretty significantly. You're in 15 states now. Um, Offices, Atlanta, Oregon, LA. I mean, a pretty good sized footprint for a company that's only a couple years old, right? Two, three years old. It's been, it's been uh, crazy. It's been, it's amazing to think, think about, you know, three years ago, or there's really just three of us, um, you know, like trying to make this work. I think actually three years ago, you know, I think our first client went dark on us for a couple of weeks as everyone does in the cannabis industry. And, you know, we were like, uh, you know, just, just really hacking it together. I mean, we hadn't even named flourish flourish yet. Uh, and, um, you know, we've, uh, uh, um, we've grown anything intelligently, but, you know, significantly over the last couple of years and, have a really amazing team. You know, we were comfortable with the distributed office and distributed workforce. And uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been really cool deploying this, you know, every new state, every new type of customer is a, a new set of learning, you know, that, that gets rolled back into their world platform. And it's been fun. Um, what size cultivation or, or customer is best fit for Flourish? So, you know, our customers literally range from five person operations to 200 person manufacturing plants and, uh, you know, it can be anywhere in between. We've designed the software for, uh, you know, for an enterprise type scale uh, operator, but uh, a smaller operator can get plenty of value out of it and only adopt what they need of the software. We don't really force a lot of, you know, heavy, um, you know, there's a lot of functionality that you can optionally use and, and it still works on its own. So, um, you know, a single mom and pop operator, like, you know, if it's one or two people like doing a couple plants here and there, it's not really probably a fit. Um, so, but you know, when you get that five, 10 person company, really kind of 10 to 50, um, it's kind of that mid-sized um, operation, you know, it's kind of a sweet spot for us. Um, and, um, you know, and then we can scale up, you know, to some of the largest uh, players in the market. How educated are your customers? I'm sure it ranges, but have most of your customers purchased a different seed to sale at this point and been fed up and come to you? Or are you sort of originating these, these people? So it's, it's the beauty of being a new market that's really rapidly expanding. I'd say about 30% of our clients 
are just brand new operations. So we're the first thing they brought in. Um, 30% of our clients we've taken from a, a competitor and we've migrated, you know, a, a customer from basically every competitor on the market. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, about 30% of folks that kind of got up and running are using spreadsheets and now looking at software for the first time. Uh, so it, it is sort of, on the, it's not hundred percent evenly split, but it, it's pretty divided between those three categories. And um, yeah, it's uh, the background as far as comfort level with technology, you know, we, we do find that our most successful customers, um, you know, do have some familiarity with using technology. It's just, you know, they know what they're wanting to get out of the software and makes it a lot easier for them to adopt and, and adapt it and, and really champion those projects. But, you know, it ranges from folks that have never barely turned on a computer from work for work to people that have, you know, spent decades deploying this type of software in much more complex environments and now are on their second or third career and that happens to be in cannabis. So it's uh, that's kind of the beauty of the industry itself is that it draws people from all all corners of of um, industry really. Yeah, I mean, often the software's biggest competitors like Google Sheets, right? <laughs> Which can that, is, be- that is definitely uh, the pen and paper and you know Google spreadsheets are uh, um, are definitely kind of our probably number one competitor. But but it you know at some point it becomes challenging to truly scale and operate the business with, you know, a, a patchwork of just spreadsheets with no controls and no, you know, real data integrity. And, you know, there's lots of, yeah. it's amazing how you can just easily add a column to a spreadsheet with, with really no coding changes, but to, uh, you know, to software, it's obviously a little bit different. So that is a learning curve sometimes for folks. And, you know, we've had some people that, you know, um, have sat on the decision to implement software for, you know, months on end because of a feature and kind of missing, you know, missing the forest for the trees. Um, and, you know, but, uh, but it, like when it's eventually people are ready for, for this, um, you know, to really take the business to the next level and give them a lot more comfort and peace of mind uh, that something's truly there to help them drive the process and manage it. Got it. So when you have people sort of jump ship um, and switch, I guess a, a couple questions. One is, what, what's the biggest reason that they tell you? I mean, why why are they switching from their existing um, situation, their their existing? Group? So, um, you know, in the cannabis world, metric is the bane of most operators' existence, and I think a huge challenge. We've I can't, uh, you know, I feel like we could have cured cancer with the amount of work we've done to engineer around metrics deficiencies. Um, it's uh, uh, it's it's funny. So. You know, honestly, a lot of our customers, you know, come like, like those who switch over to us from a competitor, it's mostly around functionality um, and then coupled with the support. So, you know, something they were sold that didn't really perform like as expected or, you know, like the inventory isn't, you know, correct, uh, right? Bugs and, and, and just some really significant core issues to the, the functionality of the software. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, some usability and then coupled with typically like a, some failures in support. So not feeling like they're getting the attention they need to work through those problems. And then, um, you know, sometimes it is like specific feature sets. Like it, when we, you know, a number of our competitors have caught up to us now, but like even a year, year and a half ago, a good number of players in this space were not even tracking the non-cannabis inventory in the, the inventory management system. Uh, and, you know, that was one reason why people would want to switch over to us to get a more holistic picture of what's actually happening in their business. Mm -hmm. Got it. Besides the fact that there's a low barrier to entry, relatively low, Mm -hmm. why are there so many competitors out there? I mean, this is 
the hottest, most sexy space, you know, in anywhere right now to be working in. So, you know, I think um, it's a fragmented market. Uh, you know, every state has its own nuance. And so, you know, with that market fragmentation, you know, that sort of, they, there's some operators that or some software companies that came out of just the Washington market, for instance, or, you know, are just in the Illinois market or, um, you know, just in California alone, right? Like it's a fragmented market with all the different nuances and, and details there. Um, I mean, it's, it's exciting. There's, you know, tech is, uh, interested in cannabis. I mean, I think it's just, uh, and, and it's fast, it's growing very, very quickly. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's trendy. It's sexy. <laughs> Um, I started this show in 2015. It wasn't as sexy then, but, um, it is kind of interesting. I mean, of all things, like I could see why people would want to grow, right? Yeah. Like that sounds fun, but like to start a seed to sale ERP company is not like something you just do, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. That's a, you clearly, you have a strong background in it. That's why it's interesting. You know, and for us, it was, um, you know, it was all around timing. Like we, uh, like having a passion for the topic and the industry and, you know, and even hemp, like, and so we do a significant amount of business in the hemp space, um, which has really exploded over the last year, year and a half. Um, and, you know, I can think about 15 years ago, I thought like, wow, why are we not growing hemp and using it for all these things? Like, this is absolutely ridiculous, you know? And it was like, we could just, you know, like there was this whole thought around like being building an, an industry and empire around this, um, you know, the, the, the plant and, you know, all you could do with it. And then, regulatory wise, there's no way to do that. Right. And so 15 years later, <laughs> here, um, here, you know, the farm bill passes and, you know, thousands of businesses spring up overnight and, you know, and we've already built the software for cannabis and then we expanded out into hemp and, um, you know, you are in the middle of it all. Right. And it's all brand new and very chaotic. And, um, it was really exciting. And from coming from like more of a legacy enterprise background, um, you know, there was this vision of deploying a platform, right? Like one platform to truly run the business end to end or uh, have visibility uh, across across the business end to end. But typically in a lot of, you know, established industries, there's, there's 20, 30 years of legacy technology and people and processes married to that, that you can't just build this. I mean, it's much easier said than done. And what's been really cool here is like being able to build a piece of software and deploy it end to end and then really see it be successful and grow with, you know, with the industry as it's growing up and, and just trying to design, you know, and think past like that sort of legacy issues that are out there around connecting systems and, you know, and, and true visibility. So makes sense. Um, give me some other sort of points of traction here. What, what are the KPIs? What metrics do you look at every day? You know, what's, what's a good indicator of your scale? So, I mean, you know, obviously we look at top line growth and then retention. So, you know, as a SaaS company, that's how we're valued on, you know, that's what, you know, and I'm, and I'm, we're always tracking towards like our burn and how close we are to profitability. And so, you know, it's line in sight for us, which is, which is great. I mean, we've, um, you know, uh, never lost thought, uh, um, sort of vision of the fact that we are a business to eventually generate profit. Um, but it's, you know, in SaaS, there's a pretty big investment to, both build the tech and also acquire customers. So, um, you know, I track all the classic SaaS metrics around growth, retention, you know, cost of acquiring the customer versus the lifetime value of it, just sort of a function of the, of the churn and the, um, and, you know, and what they pay. So, and then, you know, past that, you know, we look a lot at just like uh, product adoption. So, 
Um, I would say we've worked really closely with, you know, our customers, you know, at this stage, we're still, you know, relatively early stage uh, to understand, you know, how the product is driving, you know, is being adopted by our customers and also driving value. And we're like just constantly asking that question. Um, you know, what is it we're not solving? What, how well are we solving what we are solving? You know, how do we make that a little bit better, a little bit faster? And it's, I mean, that uh, we're like very product minded and uh, how we engage with the customer. Do you have an example you can share? What are you not building that you're thinking about building? We have, like, when I say we have, you know, a thousand things on our product roadmap, I mean, it's probably an understatement. I mean, we, we, you know, it's a pretty wide product. So we have, you know, we maintain a product roadmap pretty much per persona. So cultivator, finance, purchasing, fulfillment, inventory management. Um, we have a, a large set of integrations we're working on. And, you know, we just deployed our LeafLink integration, which is like awesome and seamless. And, you know, we're running to repeat that with a couple other marketplaces on the market, uh, you know, in the industry. Um, we're, uh, I can ask the question differently if you want. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that the ice box is full, but, so um, much. but, um, is there a segment of the cannabis industry, whether, whether you would tackle it or not, mm -hmm. that you think could be very profitable, that's not yet being built for or, uh, adequately built for, I suppose. So, you know, um, one of the big missions we have right now is around that sort of sales enablement. It's amazing how, even though there's really good marketplaces on the market, you know, like LeafLink, LeafTrade, Apex, I, I think Confident Cannabis has one, there's another three or four others out there, that there's still a lot of friction um, in the market around, around, you know, just transacting business. I mean, uh, you know, your clients are sitting there on the phone all day, just, you know, cold calling people trying to, source biomass or cell oil or, you know, and, and like there's a lot of manual, you know, back and forth. And so um, we have a whole set of development you know, initiatives just around like making that more seamless. Right. So um, that's, I, I think, in, an area in which despite there being a lot of investment is still, it's still, um, you still feel the pains of it being an early market without established supply chains, established, you know, SOPs, communication protocols, communication like naming standards, um, right? Like it's just not even like a set of like clear standards around around some of the stuff that. Yep. Yeah, probably people are using some botched version of like Salesforce or whatever for sales enablement outside of, you know, there's no cannabis specific option, like you said. Yeah, well, or four or five different things kind of hobbled yeah. together. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of sort of big incumbents, how much do you think about the other huge ERP providers you know, deciding they want to do something like this, or at least part of what you do? So, you know, I think there's a lot of value in building something that's specific to the vertical, right? There's a lot of workflows, screens, data elements, um, you know, config options that are very, very native to what our customers do every single day. Um, that lowers the time to implement and the time, you know, to, to really adopt and is more intuitive to adopt, right? We're not receiving plants into a, a flower room via a purchase order and some sort of hack together, um, you know, set of workflows that takes you 18 clicks to do, uh, right, do it, right? So there, there's that sort of moat that, you know, we're really focused on and we've been focused on since, you know, day one, right? We said we have to build a product if we're building this, we have to build a product that's relevant past compliance and it has to have enough value specific to the target customer we're, we're, we're targeting so that, you know, off-the-shelf ERP, you know, could always try to do that job, but but the cost and, and, and pain of doing it 
is going to, um, you know, like our value prop is going to outweigh that that cost. So, so that's that's one of the ways we think about it. Another th way to think about it is just um, partnerships. So, um, you know, recognizing that there's a lot of good financial packages out there. Um, that these ERPs can be deployed to just handle like financials and HR and you know some back of house functions that aren't really relevant to the operation. You know, and we can be that best of breed supply chain management, supply chain execution system, and tie into that. And that's there's lots of examples in the market, like where I started my career, Manhattan Associates, which is you know, a billion dollar company. Um, and, you know, they just do best of breed supply chain, specific supply chain software around warehousing and transportation or fulfillment, you know, and that's really where I position us to be is like, we're what those operators need day to day to run the business. And then we can hook into QuickBooks or when you're ready to outgrow QuickBooks like Sage Intact or NetSuite. Um, and, you know, and for us, like your operations not going to change like me, but um, you know, we can hook into a different financials package on the back end and, and some of these other ERP players, you know, we can play well with them. Um, so uh, aside from the integrations, um, which are always really important in, in any software, do you look at these bigger companies as potential acquirers? I mean, flash forward a little bit here, like you want to be a big sustainable public company or are you going to get bought and cash out here? Not, not that one is worse than the other. I mean, you know, both good options. Um, they're both good options. I think, you know, as, like for the type of company we're building, um, uh, a strategic acquirer um, that wants to come in and, you know, and add us to their portfolio makes a lot of sense. Um, they're also, uh, you know, could potentially make a lot of sense to partner with, you know, a finance partner to go and do a roll up and, you know, have us be at the ecosystem there and, and to grow into something that looks like a NetSuite, um, which eventually got bought by Oracle anyway. Uh, or, um, or, you know, going public is always an option, right? But, you know, in this, like, it's just way too early, um, you know, until you're... Well, it hasn't been early for a lot of your competitors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the cost of going public, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, I think, some short-term appeal to it. But, yeah, I mean, like, it's, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of things that tell you when it's appropriate to go public, yep. um, you know, and, you know, we're, we're not taking any of those options off the table. I think, you know, the near-term focus just continuing to acquire customers and, you know, build a, a, a long-term sustainable business. And then whichever option sort of unfolds, you know, as, you know, the market unfolds and changes in front of us, you know, we'll adapt to that. Well, you must be in a very good position and pretty close to profitable because I'm looking at how much money you've raised over the last couple of years. And it's not that much. I mean, congratulations. Like you've only taken on three and a half, something like that. I mean, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. It's, um, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I think we've had a bootstrapping mentality from the beginning. You know, we, you know, we've self-funded this operation for around a year, um, working on sort of an analytics, uh, platform for distribution centers. And then we pivoted into cannabis and, you know, and really, I mean, didn't take a check except for, uh, until the end of that year. So we, um, you know, we've, we've never uh, lost sight of, um, you know, uh, the, you know, what it means to take capital on and, and how to spend it wisely to, you know, sort of drive value. So, yeah, I feel like uh, um, it, it's been fun. It's never, you know, it's, we've never just had tons of extra money laying around to spend on, you know, <laughs> frivolous stuff, but it's kept us focused and, you know, and, re and really, you know, with the eye on the prize here of, of just building a profitable business. Do you think that core philosophy comes from 
you working and being from the South originally? Because I spent, a, I spent nine years in San Francisco doing the tech hustle oh, yeah. and basically it's raise as much as you can and get a big headline, you know, and, and it's just so different from the way that you're running your company. You know, I don't think we've ever thought of ourselves as just a startup. I think we've started, thought of ourselves as a business, you know, and we've taken venture, you know, capital to help fund business initiatives, uh, you know, hiring and investing into, you know, the product and growth and, and you know, does it make sense? But yeah, that, that's a good question. I've never thought about it in those terms. Um, you know, I think maybe there are some cultural things there around, you know, uncomfortableness around taking money or, um, the, uh, you know, sort of pull yourself up by your own bootstrap sort of mentality that, that comes out of, um, you know, some, some cultural background there. Yeah. I, I haven't, I've not thought about that, that question. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, I think it's particularly interesting in this time that we're in right now. And I want to shift a little bit, um, to Corona and COVID and sort of like what the new normal looks like for you guys. Uh, thankfully, as we talked about at the top, like selling software, isn't that different, um, yes. presumably. Um, but you are raising this one and a half million, uh, which it looks like you got more than a majority committed. Talk about raising right now. <laughs> well, um, let's just say I'm really thankful I started like almost six months ago. I'm also really surprised that six months in, we still haven't, you know, closed all this up. Uh, everything, you know, um, my biggest, I think, learning experience when it comes to capital raise is that you read, you know, you read a blog or you listen to a podcast and you think, oh, you just put a deck together, seed, series A, series B, series C, you know, and it just all sort of magically waterfalls together and it's nice and tight and clean. Um, and it's just like, in my experience, and I, I don't think this is uncommon, it's just not true. Um, you know, there's, there's people and, um, you know, in, in a lot of minutia and details and a lot of work that goes into every, you know, tranche and check, uh, funding and, and check that comes in. Um, you know, from a, a, like sort of a COVID sort of adjustment, like I said, it's been pretty easy for us to go 100% remote. Um, and, you know, cause we were already semi remote anyway, and it's software. So we're, you know, super privileged to just be able to use technology in a, in a good way. And we've, and we build a lot of internal processes, uh, you know, from the beginning that help us, you know, with communication and, and, you know, controls and workflow and, you know, we're, we're set up for this. So it's, that's not been as challenging and, you know, um, we do like spending time on site with our clients for implementation. So, you know, we're not doing that, but Hey, it just means we're actually knocking out implementations faster and, you know, hundred percent remote. And you know, it's probably forced you to make the implementation more intuitive, right? If they have to yeah, do it all on their you side. Know, and then, you know, just continue to beef up help docs and training documentation and videos and stuff like that. And fortunately zoom and all this, you know, there's a lot of ways to collaborate digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a funding perspective, you know, like, you know, some money that was committed maybe two months ago sort of dropped out or partially dropped out or, you know, is on the fence as we're trying to get this thing, you know, dialed in and all the terms buttoned up and, and closed. So, you know, there's sort of some of that that's, that's gone on. Um, and, you know, obviously, like any venture capital, you know, fund was pretty distracted, um, you know, uh, especially the first, you know, three or four weeks of, of all this, just with portfolio companies, you know, trying to reset and emergency board meetings and are we running out of, running out of cash? What do we do? So, you know, it's sort of stymied any, um, you know, new outreach. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, coming into, you know, this month, month or month and a half into it or so, people are sort of starting to adjust to some of the new normal and, uh, 
you know, it's the conversations are all still happening and, you know, people that have funds that have money, like still have the capital, right. They're just being you know, thoughtful about how they, yep. how they deploy it and also saving some for other portfolio companies that might need it earlier than expected. Totally. Um, and you're raising a million and a half. Are you calling this a bridge or talk to me about the strategy there a little bit? So um, <laughs> we're calling this, uh, yes, the next set of financing. So um, is that a dirty word? So I know I've said that. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's funny, right? So we raised, we raised, you know, um, some safe notes early on that converted into a million dollar strategic sort of seed. Um, and even when we get through that million, we anticipated doing two. It took a whole nother year. Uh, we got it to the finish line. It fell through due to just various external factors. And um, we, uh, uh, and then last year we raised um, uh, two point um, two. So we or a little over subscribed. So we basically spent a year trying to raise an additional million. It all fell through. We did a hard reset. We came back, raised that at a higher valuation, and we ended up doing two instead of one. Um, and it was a little oversubscribed, so it, it turned out better than expected, even though, you know, there was a dark period or, uh, there for uh, ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, um, you know, and then, you know, we, um, we'd anticipated raising, you know, another uh, tranche this, uh, this year. So, um, you know, we, uh, uh, we've spent kind of the last six months kind of prepping for that and starting the formal process and going out to the market and getting this done. Um, and, uh, the, um, the, the COVID stuff definitely slowed stuff down, I would say by two months now, almost mm -hmm. just in additional due diligence and response times. And, you know, just everything is taking, it feels like a day or two or a week longer than it should be just from everyone's attention. So this is, um, uh, you know, right now we're just, we're, instead of raising a price round, we're just going to do some convertible debt, um, to convert into, you know, what will eventually be a, a larger round. And, that, and that's kind of what we're working on right now. It's just sort of fine tuning the, the details of that um, conversion triggers and, uh, and then, you know, getting these checks in the door. So uh, I feel good about where it's at. Most of this money is committed. Like I said, about 60% like verbally committed. And there's another set of checks that are, or investors that like, we just haven't really pushed over the finish line because we're trying to iron, we're, you know, working on ironing out the final details to it. So sequencing is everything in the fundraising process, mm -hmm. um, you know, clear lines of communication, um, you know, and, and we you do have to run it as a process. And there's a lot of different parties, you know, internally, the board, your existing investors, the new investors, new investors that are professional VCs, new investors that are, you know, more family office or, you know, just high net worth individuals writing more of a personal check. So there's a lot of, um, you know, I've definitely learned a lot about like how to balance all those you know, interest and, in, you know, how to try to uh, manage the communication between them all and, and run it. But yeah, it's, it's never a cut and dry process. And, and you know, it always takes a little longer than expect, expected to get done. But, um, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, we, we have good backers right now and, and we're like at the finish line to get this thing done. Well, it's an incredible experience. This certainly won't be the last company you raise money for. I, I can tell you that. So, yeah. Um, comes with the territory. Comes with the territory. Exactly. Um, so we talked a little bit about possible acquisitions. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my friend Pranav of Trello, so we go back to the gateway days, sold his company to Akerna. Um, pretty recently that was announced. Does that sort of I have two questions. First, I know there's a funny story about the Tesla. Uh, so maybe we'll go there first. <laughs> I have a funny note about that Tesla, which caused a lot of uh, drama 
for a lot of investors, but you have a funny story about it too. Go ahead. I do. Well, you know, Trellis was like kind of our number one competitor for, you know, the first two years or so of doing this. Right. So they raised before us. Um, and it, it is funny, like we, uh, um, so, you know, they raised a couple million dollars and, you know, they bought these Teslas for their customer support vehicles and they're on front front and center on their website. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we had a couple guys that were going to write um, a first check in to our company uh, as a safe note. And one of them was uh, um, at a, a VC, he was writing a personal check, but he's a, he's a, you know, in a VC firm and pulled up the website and showed them um, our number one competitor. And he was like, what are these Teslas? He's like, oh, well, they, they bought Teslas for their, their support fleet. He was like, okay, I think we can do this. You guys are probably in a, in a good spot. And it, <laughs> and it really helped us close that first check. Um, you know, That's amazing. And get the, the, you know, some of the first money in the, in the company. So, um, you know. Pranav would like that story too, by the way. He would it's, like. it's funny because you, you know, obviously you want to establish, you know, marketing and branding is super important. And, you know, and did they buy a Tesla? Probably not. They probably leased it. Um, but, you know, optics you know, can be interpreted different ways by different folks. And, uh, well, um, like I said, you're not the only person that I heard that from a lot of investors, some involved, some not involved that were like, yeah, that's a bad signal. <laughs> that's a bad signal. Um, but anyway, I mean, he, he did exit it. So congratulations to him. I don't know exactly what those terms are. Not sure I would say them anyway, but, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not, I don't think we're, you know, they, they didn't all, all stock deals for essentially the same money they raised. So yeah, um, probably not, you know, where they wanted to land with, with the company at the end of the day, but, um, you know, uh, so, so what is that? I mean, obviously you think you have a competitive advantage from the beginning, otherwise you wouldn't be doing this, but uh -huh. does that change your strategy or your outlook on the landscape that they had? you know, not a big exit. And uh, what does that mean for you guys, I suppose? Well, you know, if you look at like Ample's, you know, um, sold to MJ Freeway last year or Akerna last year and, you know, Trellis selling this year, both those acquisitions or exits were really more like rescue packages, you know, mm -hmm. from companies that ran out of money and needed a home to go to. Yep. So, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say those were the out outcome that investors invested in uh you know not at all not um, at all founders either, either and you know i think it you know we're, we'll see consolidation in this industry and we'll see people go out of business i mean it's sort of the nature of being a startup right like yep. you, know, you throw your hat in the ring you you know go through the motions to, to build a business and, and try to make it work and doesn't always pan out you know how you want it to um you know when i'm looking at like comparable exits or um you know uh uh like ways we, we could end, I'm probably looking outside of the industry at other vertically specific SaaS, you know, companies that, you know, have, you know, done really well, um, you know, either as standalone companies for, you know, a long time or eventually going public or, um, you know, or, or been acquired. I mean, one of the things, one of the companies I always look at that's just very, it's not supply chain, but, you know, Viva Systems has had, you know, amazing stock run and has built this amazing, you know, multi-billion dollar company. Um, on, you know, relatively small amount of money raised and, and they were, you know, originally just a CRM focused on life sciences, right? And, you know, they do a lot more now. And, um, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are, that have parallels between, you know, what we do and, um, and, the, and them that have been really successful.
Yeah, the other one that comes to mind that's really expanded a lot was Atlassian too, right? I mean, they started with a relatively narrow, I mean, Very it was just like hip this. chat for a long time, right? Um, which Believe you know, me, we, 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 we spend a good amount of money on, Atlass on Atlassian products every, every month. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's, a, it's not a small investment, but, you know, it's core to running the business and it really very product focused company, very, you know, um, very committed to, you know, to just delivering, you know, for the customer, like small sales and marketing spend and, um, you know, pretty, pretty impressive, uh, impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. I like that you're marking your goals, not by other cannabis companies, because that's not going to work. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we think we feel good about where we sit in the, in the market and, you know, uh, a lot of confidence in the product and, you know, we're, we know that we're every day working hard to push out additional features and functionality to, you know, to make it better and better. And that's never going to end. It's sort of why people purchase SaaS, right? You don't download it and forget about it. Like, you get new updates and support, you know, through the life cycle of the business. And, you know, like our largest customer scale from, you know, basically 50 employees to 2000 employees in 18 months, right? We went from having, you know, one instance of our software deployed to, you know, 45 or 50 in like a year, a year and a half. And we did a 30 store retail rollout um, uh, when we launched our retail point of sale store with them. Uh, you know, and like having a technology partner that can kind of work with you to do that, which is unheard of. I mean, it just doesn't happen in normal industry. Let's there. shift gears a little bit. Um, you have such a cool, like 30,000 foot view of the industry based on what you do. How do you stay informed? Is it from talking to customers? Is there something you read every day? Like how, how do you stay informed? So, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm definitely a news junkie. Uh, I still a lot, I spend a lot of my time reading reading news, like in industry and non-industry news. I think it's just important to understand what's happening on, you know, in the world. Um, I uh, um, so you, like our, you know, the I think probably the MJ Biz Daily and like Bazinga has great coverage, mm -hmm. and um, you know, a, a good number of other sort of just e publications. Um, you know, we spend a ton of time just asking questions about customers, and like, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than working with customers to help understand what they're doing and where they're going with their business and what they're seeing on the ground. Because, you know, the, the public companies are obviously shiny and, you know, like uh, there's a, it's easy to cover them, but, you know, the percentage of, of this industry that's public is I think relatively small. Um, so, you know, most of what's happening, you know, in the industry is private, and, you know, and there's still a lot of the industry that's not even in the legal market. Um, you know, and, and trying to hear and understand, like, and just learning all these crazy stories of people, you know, managing, you know, that transition into it is, is pretty interesting. So, mm -hmm. um, I, uh, yeah, just any information uh, I can get my hands on, I'm always, I'm always reading and diving into. So. Good stuff. Um, so I do this thing at the end of the show, which I stole from a show called Jesus and Miro, if you're familiar with that late night show. But anyway, at, like if you're at an all night bodega or corner store, there's these neon signs that stay up forever, right? And if you had to have a neon sign above your head for the rest of your life, it's got to follow you around. What would your neon sign say? Wow. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh problem solver so problem solver that's good i like that i like that business problems or or do like your friends call you for relationship advice too 
Uh, you know, I'm always, always okay to talk through something, but you know, I like to get my hands dirty and, and work on something. I mean, that's, you know, at, at, that's what my job is basically every day is the marketing, is it sales, is it product, is it support, something HR, you know, working with a client, like, let's think through this. I mean, that, I have an industrial engineering degree, going to school to, to learn better tools and, and ways to think through that stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if I, I'm thinking it's like SimCity, like the, like, or yeah. the Sims, right? Or with yeah, like the, the Sims, yeah. Uh, I love that. I, I love that answer. That's a yeah. great answer. Well, I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. Um, how can we help you? Are you hiring for anything by chance? How can the audience help you guys? So, um, like we're always looking for good talent, you know, uh, you know, we have a pretty lean staff and, you know, when we get this raise done, uh, we'll have some budget to hire a couple more folks. So what would you like to hire? What's the number one thing you'd like to hire? You know, um, we will most likely double this company over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months headcount. And that means adding talented folks in pretty much every department. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's no, it's hard for me to answer, you know, what's the most immediate for sure. today. I mean, we're always looking for good developers. Um, it's, you know, it can be very challenging to find, of course, like we just went from full employment to significant unemployment. So there's a, probably a bigger talent pool right now available to look at. Yep. Um, client folks that like to work with people get things installed um you know they uh i mean it's across the board we'll be adding you can add everything yeah good stuff that's a good yeah. problem to have um well colton you've been so open and honest it's been great man thanks for yeah. us. thank you for having me i uh, i really appreciate it and you know it's always cool to get on and talk about the company and you know share some share some stuff about building this business it's been fun yeah absolutely well thanks again for joining us man thanks brandon